Podcast. Right, writing a letter to that inner child that was that was wounded, that was rejected, that was abandoned, with the intent of not reliving the event, right? Not re-traumatizing ourselves, but rather meeting the need that was not met at that time. Because in reality, that time is now, right? There is no past, there is no future. There is just the eternal now. So that little child that is telling himself or herself the story that they are unlovable because of that that event, that external event that happened, in the letter of love that you write to them, let them know that they can release that story and you can give them the love that they were looking for. Welcome, beautiful souls, to season two of the Cosmic Love Antenna with your host, Harrison Ma. I invite you on a mystical voyage from the intellect to the soul, delving deep into the mysteries of love's spiritual essence and its unfolding. This podcast celebrates the peeling back of heart layers, revealing profound lessons, interviews with spiritual seekers, and practices to open your heart to love's infinite wisdom. Welcome back to cosmic love antenna and another special bonus rebroadcast episode where i your host harrison had the divine pleasure of having a chat and being invited onto another show this time this was the conscious action podcast with my beautiful friend brian and we had the pleasure of talking about all things love in a child integration i shared some of my journey talked about intentional inspired action what that means to me and a lot of other mystical, spiritual topics that I know are going to light you up. So please enjoy this episode today. If you did, please check out Brian and his podcast. Go over to Apple and Spotify, listen to his magical show. But until then, drop into your heart, open up wide and take all this love in. Thank you so much, Harrison, for taking the time to be here with me uh, once again in <laughs> the connecting and being able to, to share conversations and for everyone that is listening and watching us and checking in with this episode what can you share about Harrison and you know who is Harrison <laughs> so Brian I just want to say before I answer that it's so nice to be held in your in your lovely energy and i can't wait to see what comes out of this conversation today but to answer your question i am the the lovely label that i currently place on my experience is a spiritual love coach and mentor and within that i do many things but the simplest way to describe it is i help entrepreneurs business owners and souls that get a bit too lost in their minds, travel from their head into their heart. And I do this in through many different kinds of modalities, yoga, uh, inner child healing, ancestral healing, which I know you're a big fan of with your constellation work. But to me, they're all parts of my medicine bag. And the thing that really does most of the support, most of the guiding, most of the loving is the unique frequency that is Harrison. And I try and bring that presence to all the spaces and places I show up in. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I, you know, I'm really, really interested in understanding 
little bit on your own journey to come to that place, to come to that place of understanding, to come to that place of being able to to support others doing this. Um, would you be able to share a little bit around, you know, like from a young age, and uh, how was your journey to get here? I love being asked this question because each time I'm asked it, something new comes up that I had forgotten that has added to me. So I just want to say I'm really grateful that you're asking it. And I would say the first component to mention is I grew up in this incarnation as a male, as a little boy. And I, within the culture, the family, the religious influences, as that little boy, I suppressed and pushed down a lot of my femininity, a lot of my sensitivities, a lot of my emotions and my feelings, which led to a lot of pain, not so much in my childhood, but it all bubbled to the surface in my adolescence. And it led to a lot of externalization of my identity, a lot of externalization of my love, a lot of externalization of my essence in many ways through drugs, alcohol, women, activities, all of the things. And because of that, it couldn't last forever. And a series of events occurred that were very traumatizing and left a very deep imprint, but ultimately allowed me to embrace what I was, all of my, all of those same things that I'd suppressed for so long. And it helped me awaken to the loving soul that I always was. But now because of the pain, it was so contrasted and I was ready to not share it with the world in terms of fixing, healing, changing anyone, because I don't think we need to do any of that. But it wanted to be shared with the world because I'd now realized that once you connect inside and you remember what you are, there is a beautiful desire to just share that with no attachment, no expectation, but just pure love. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. You know, it's I'm always so interested in in our journeys to understand, you know, what, where we we came from in this life to the realizations and to the understandings. And and this is one of the, the key things that you just shared is about that realization that you were that loving being already, even though that was, you know, hidden or there was no realization of it and you know I, there's so much in, in my own experiences in my childhood as well that and in that moment i didn't realize it of course but that i wasn't in touch with with my own experience with my body with those parts of me that um were hidden and suddenly it's like oh and now i know this and there's this thing that one of my teachers used to say and he used to say a lot that whatever it is that 
that we resonate with and that we love mm. there's this like yearning or this yes. momentum towards sharing it and he used to say you know just like when someone has a baby and they want to share you know and share the photos and share everything it's the same with what has supported us and what we realized yeah and what i'm coming to understand more and more is that that urge and desire to share is is coming from a deep collective expression for evolution i i a lot of my uh teachings and uh gifts that i share with the world are based in a vedic understanding and in a lot of the vedic world views that is is that we're a part of an interconnected collective that one of its baseline characteristic traits is expansion right we're we're moving we're ex rippling outwards so i think a big part of you know what you're saying and what i've noticed in my own desire to share my love with the world it's that right it's to not just add in our uniqueness but also be a part of this this evolution that's like, that's happening regardless but as soon as we get on board the rest of that momentum we 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 tap into the rest of that momentum mm, beautiful and, and and i would love for you Harrison, to to expand a little bit on love you know when when you're talking about love because I do know a lot of times, you know, when I'm uh, talking with people running classes or teaching, um, different people attach different meanings to these words. So would you be able to expand a little bit on what love is and, and what you're sharing about love? <laughs> I'm laughing, Brian. I, I, I know you know this. I just shared this with all your beautiful listeners. I... I have a whole, I have a whole podcast on this and it, it can't be answered in one question. I'll do my best, but it's just it, that question in many ways is why I do what I do is because there are so many, you're right, beautifully right. There's that there's so myself included, right? There's so many allusions to what that is. And a big part of my story, going back to being that little boy, I, a part of that upbringing, I became very disillusioned and traumatized in many ways around the understanding that my higher power, my, the God, the divinity is something outside of me. And not only is it something outside of me, it's a man on a cloud that's keeping score. So part of my journey that I expressed earlier was I was religious. I became atheist, but then, and this comes back to the question about what is love? When, and it came in in many ways. A few teachers came into my world, but they all said it the same way. And they said and expressed love as a higher power, love as our source, love as our divinity. And just saying that in itself, I think I glaze over with that understanding. But even if our mind glazes over with that, with that definition of love, there is something inside of us that responds to that. And that's what happened to me. I responded to that meaning of love. So now 
or to put simply, I see love as a higher power. So when I refer to love, it's coming from that context. Thank you for sharing that. You know, it's I think that it is so important for for us to to have an understanding when when we are talking, when we're sharing, especially around some of these words that can you know they are big words as you're saying, you know, God or love or these these words that they they connect in different ways to each of us and depending on as as you're saying our upbringing our understandings our cultures religions we have different understandings and different perspectives and one of the biggest things that that i realized as well was in terms of this you know i also grew up in a monotheistic um religion and this bearded guy on the clouds you know like uh and somehow I didn't connect it with that and with the Buddhist teachings around, you know, like a dynamic organizing principle as that universe, that energy, that love, whatever we want to call it. I was like, ah, there's something there because for me, the realization was as well that this is, I, I, I am that. This is not outside of me. I'm not separate from it yeah there are different configurations i am like this configuration you are that configuration everyone is their own configuration yet we're not separate from it yeah and not only are we not separate from it when i say love as a higher power or love as this source that we're not separate from as you're saying it's not, we have to ask, I think the next question we ask ourselves is, what kind of love is it? Because there are many types of love. We've all experienced it. Part of my adolescent suffering was the conditional kind of loving. And I think conditional loving is a part of the experience because we learn what our boundaries are and our values are. But that conditional loving is not that deepest form that we are that you're talking about. It's unconditional in nature and this means many things but i just want to make this point clear for everyone listening if love is unconditional and this love is our source and our higher power in many ways what that means is we are enough we are worthy and we don't have anything to prove and just those three statements if more of us in the world held those in our heart, we would see a lot less suffering because most of our trauma and pain and, and separation energy that is inside of us is, is from a feeling of not feeling that, of wanting, of striving for that, of thinking that we need to do the thing outside of us to gain that unconditional love. But the whole time we've had that unconditional love inside of us just waiting to be felt. Mm, beautiful beautiful and i, I want to touch on, on on this you know in our own understanding and in your experience with yourself and working with people um what is the role of the body and of healing Ooh. 
loving these questions, Brian. So, oh, so much is coming through. I first thing I would say, uh, let, let me just let me attach it. Attach it onto a point I just made around the fact that we need conditional loving to help us connect back to our unconditional state. In many ways, I see the body as a as as the conduit for that conditional loving. Right? Think about it from this way. Yes, I am an infinite, worthy, abundant spiritual being. But that's not all that I am. I am also a divinely messy and beautiful human being. And that human being runs on certain physical conditions, i.e., I need to get eight hours of sleep, i.e., I need to eat this kind of food to make my energy expand, i.e., I need to get outside and put my feet on the ground so I can feel and release that which needs to be released. So many ways we can answer this question, Brian, but I think from a deeper spiritual lens, it's what allows us to experience that unconditional love. It's what the, the, the 3D body is the conduit in which that spiritual unconditional loving state is expressed through, right? Because that spiritual unconditional state was there already, right? It was, it was, it was there ready to go, but it needed to do something to experience itself. And how can it experience itself? One of the ways is through the physical body, either with ourselves, our own physical sensations, our own exploration through our physical being. But then where I think it gets even more juicy is when we get to share our physical body in relation to someone else. And that's where that, that love is exchanged even more. Mm. And as a certain that what and, and you know i have my own definition for for healing i think that as you're saying coming back to the body for me has been one of the biggest tools and ways of getting back to that place and for me a lot of times i, I share healing is a return to wholeness that is what healing is it's you know like um and, and this is why a lot of times you know and that I, that I struggle when when I work with people and and they say you know like oh Brian is a healer I'm like uh, like you healed yourself like yes I I enabled some container or some energy there to to be seen felt experienced but each of us do do that that work um what's the place for you of healing in our own awakening and our own journey to return to that love another powerful question brian i just i got up my phone and just, i just finished reading a book you might have read it but I'll, I'll share it for everyone listening it's called the presence the presence process by michael brown and highly recommend it in regards to this topic we're speaking about today but in that book michael brown says that he has moved away from healing and being identified as a healer and rather being an integrationist, being a person that supports the being, the person that he's directing his love towards to integrate back into, as you said, the home and the whole. So one, I think it's seeing 
I think this shift from healing to integrating needs to be seen. And what are we integrating? Right, we're integrating the parts of us inside of us that are in separation, right? That are in fear, that are stuck in trauma, that are stuck in pain, that are stuck in I'm not enough, I'm not worthy, I'm sad, I'm angry, all the things, right? We're integrating all those things back into our oneness, our love, our home, so we can so we can step forward in our wholeness again. But then the role of the person that's outside of that individual doing the integrating. It's creating the container for them to do that because most of us, myself included, the reason that we're not integrating is because we're stuck in the pieces. We're stuck in, I'll use the example, let's say I have an inner child wound of rejection, abandonment. It's so easy for me to become that wound, to become that abandonment, to become that rejection, to become the victim. So the external person in this case the brian or the harrison shows up in their wholeness shows up in their love to remind the person that's stuck in the separation that there's another option that they can hold that wound they can they can support that wound and through the mirror of love that is the external guidance they know now what to do Beautiful. And would you be able to, to expand, Carson, a little bit on the, and this is part of like the work that I love and I have done a lot of it, the inner child work, remembering, connecting with it, processing it. Yeah, where where do you want me to start, Brian? Because it's a big topic. Do you want me to start with like step start. one? Well, start start with your own experience, and you know what yeah. what would be um, like an approach that that you would share with with people working with it. Yeah, I'm just I'm so passionate about this work because it, much like family constellations, Brian, it, in my opinion, is a pillar, a pillar of this integrating integration work that we do on ourselves and it's one of the reasons for that is it's because it's in our childhood for most of us unless we go further back into the ancestral line which is key as well but for most of us it's in our childhood that this separation this pain this trauma are formed so just that understanding for people is healing in itself that, that understanding of oh that's why i keep attracting the partner that is is rejecting me. That's why I can't sustain the abundance in my work, right? It's not because of the work. It's not because of the partner. It's because there is a piece of your inner child that's trying to get your attention that is most likely unconscious and is projecting into the outside world. So just that awareness of that process can help us to start to heal in itself. But after that, there are many tools. But I would say the most powerful tool, and I speak about this a lot. I, I released my first book a couple of weeks ago. I, I was telling you, Brian, it's one of the core tools I talk about in my book. But it is the inner child letter, right? Writing a letter to that inner child that was that was wounded, that was rejected, that was abandoned, with the intent of not reliving the event. Right, not re-traumatizing ourselves, 
but rather meeting the need that was not met at that time. Because in reality, that time is now, right? There is no past. There is no future. There is just the eternal now. So that little child that is telling himself or herself the story that they are unlovable because of that, that event, that external event that happened in the letter of love that you write to them, let them know that they can release that story and you can give them the love that they were looking for. Mm, so beautiful. You know, I, I love, I was actually sharing yesterday with one of my clients and we're, we've been working with the inner child. And one of the things that I told her, um, it's something that I was told when, when I was younger, as I was doing this inner child work was, calling my inner child to go for a walk, you know, to just skip like as I'm walking or to play and to, to be able to uh, give those things that I didn't receive in the way that I wanted as I was a kid. That now as an adult, as you're saying, in that is happening right now because there is no such a thing as time in one layer of, of experience. So therefore I can go and be with that child and, and love that little version of myself unconditionally, knowing that, you know, he is enough. He is love. And now I can provide that love. Yeah. Another little tip I give here in that whole process that you just outlined when you invite that child in to give it the need that it deserves to have met, whether it's love, whether it's to be seen, whether it's to be heard, whether it's to play, whatever the need is, you as the parent, because that's what you are, you're reparenting yourself. You as the parent, you need to hold the child. I refer to it being the child, meeting the need, but you need to hold it in a very specific way. And the way I explain this to clients is imagine yourself as an actual physical parent and you have physical children in your life. And one of those physical children, they fall down, they cry, they hurt themselves and you as a parent show up. What is the state of consciousness you bring to that experience? Do you bring a state of consciousness that is like, hurry up or you're forcing them to, to move through it or you expect them to look a certain way, to push them through something? Or do you hold the child in a consciousness of unconditional love and just create the container of healing from this state? So I highlight this because this is what we must do for our inner pieces, right? We must hold them not from a space of expectation, not from a place of they should be something, because I see this all the time. I'm sure you do too, Brian, in the work that you do. People are always asking, but I've done this already. I've, I've, I've held the child. I've loved him. I've met that need. Why isn't it not shifting? And there is a, there is, there's faith here. There is showing up in a space of unconditional love that's needed. And it may take, it may be instant, but it, it may take some time because that child or that piece of you may need a little extra loving, but either way, 
you don't have expectation or attachment to it. Mm, so wonderfully said. You know, I, I think that uh, I work a lot with with vibration and with frequencies, and and that which you said of how you know the consciousness is to be able to be with it. What you know, what kind of frequency am I holding within myself to be able to to meet those parts that that having been seen, met, heard, whatever it is that 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 they knew. Yes, love that. And it's another thing that sort of rises up in me as you're saying that. I was speaking to a client yesterday about this. We, it's so easy for us to, like I said earlier, become identified by the wound. So let's keep this example flowing. Let's say that we've, we're noticing that we get that an inner child wound of abandonment's coming up, but instead of holding it, we're immediately becoming it when we notice it. We we become identified by it. We put on the mask of the wound. So it's another sort of key here is we cannot, we must do the things that raise our frequency first and then approach the wound. So when the wound of the inner child abandonment comes into our awareness, it's triggered by usually an external event, a lover, a place, a thing. The first role is not to hold the child. The first role is not to meet the child. Our first role is to get out of the dense frequency. Most of us are not mindful enough, myself included, to go straight into response. What are we mostly doing? Most of us are reacting. Most of us are getting stuck in the trigger that is brought up in the moment. So our first step is to do something that raises our frequency, right? This could be breath work, right? This could be getting outside, putting our feet on the ground. This could be, you know, dropping into a meditation in that moment to feel our heart, whatever it is. But we must raise and then and then hold, heal, support, give the love that's needed. Mm. You know, I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I was teaching a class at university and, and I actually said something in similar lane to this to, to one of my students because when, when we're able to actually practice, when we're able to understand how do I get to that place of being able to develop so much awareness that in a moment that something happens, I, instead of reacting, I respond to it. And what I, what I was saying is we need to create the conditions. We need to train our mind, our system to, to be able to do that so that in the moment that something triggers us, we have already now this pathway to get to that place, to not react and to be able to respond because we have been training ourselves to do it in that other way of the reacting all of the time. The key word there is training. And I think there this is a misconception that a lot of people within this community of spiritual emotional mental healing they don't understand that this i call this your mindfulness muscle 
And there's a reason I call it a muscle. It's because like any other physical body muscle, there must be, I'm not going to word, I'm not going to use the word discipline because discipline usually comes with a lot of connotation of sort of hard work, but I'm going to use devotion. And what I mean by that is we must show up. It doesn't have to be hard, but we must make the commitment to show up to do these practices, to do these, this mindfulness, this responding instead of reacting. Because if we don't, we're not going to get to that point that you just talked about. We're not going to get to, we are going to be constantly reacting. And I say this with no judgment because it's, again, whenever we make this distinction, there's a lot of religious programming that there's something outside of us that is testing us, right? There's something outside of us testing us whether we've built this mindfulness muscle or not. And that's not true. Remember, the baseline state is unconditional love. Unconditional love. You're loved either way. However, you're going to have an easier flow through your human experience if you make your choice to show up in this way and build these muscles with heart. Mm. I, I love that. And, you know, it's really interesting. I remember my teacher, not just used the word discipline. He used to say discipline is when, when we were working and trying to, to find that um, way of practicing and that commitment, as you're saying, to show up, to actually train this in, in, a, in a way that is, you know, ongoing. He used to say, Discipline is about finding the right discipline, not not about the that you know it's hard. I need to train in this way. It's like it's about finding which is the discipline that is going to enable it, me to easily keep going with it. Because what he used to say was, when everything is hard in our lives, we are not going to practice. Yeah. When everything is good, we think that we don't need to practice. Mm. We will only practice when we are in that middle state. And how much time of our lives are we in that middle yes. state? Yeah. This brings up a... It's related to this, what we're talking about, but it's a whole other kind of other topic here of right action and inspired action. And that middle state that you were just talking about, I see that as walking the line between the divine masculine and divine feminine, right? It's the, it's our sacred inner twin flame heart, right? We have, whether you are in a physical, for everyone listening, whether you're in a physical male body or a physical female body, we both have the heart of God inside of us that is made of the sacred twin flame, which is the divine masculine and divine feminine. And when we walk that line, we are simultaneously getting the creative flow, the insights, the divine eternal knowledge. And then within that inspirational download, we are taking action, but not taking any action. Like you said, not hard action. We're taking inspired action. We're taking channeled action because we know the thing to do. We don't know all the, th we don't, need to do all the things we need to do the thing in this moment that is aligned with that that twin flame heart so i think that is a big lesson we all need mm. and harrison because i i love this and uh, being in alignment 
and those aspects of ourselves, the masculine and the feminine. Yeah. Would you be able to to expand a little bit more, um, especially for those that are listening, on how they could potentially start to get to that place of aligning these aspects? Mm. Yeah. So it's, I just want to underline how deep this is because these these two polarities, if you want to call them that, they exist in all aspects of our life. We, it's not like we can, we can't escape them, right? They're everywhere. So the first tip I would give is acknowledging that, that whether you are showing up in your work or your relationships or just, you know, if you, I spend a lot of my time, I'll give an example, right? I give, I spend a lot of my time you know, by myself in my home, working, eating, sleeping, moving, doing all things. Whether I meet another person on that day or not, those polarities exist there. So it's not dependent on other people is the first point I want to make here. We don't need other people to show us these polarities. The second sort of guidance here around starting to tune into them is noticing the balance in your day between pushing and the and the and the giving and the receiving and the being okay i if i had to summarize those two sides in 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 the simplest way it would be that it's the pushing and the giving and the receiving and the being the receiving and the being being the feminine the pushing and and the doing is the and the giving is the masculine so with that understanding what is the balance of these two states in your day-to-day actions? Are you, which is often me, right? Are you only in the doing? Are you only in the pushing? Are you only in the producing? Are you only in the making? Are you only, all of those things are beautiful, but if you are only in that and you don't have the silence, the stillness, the allowing yourself to receive from other people, then you'll burn out in many ways. No, as you're saying that, uh, it just popped into my mind something that as I was working with one of my corporate clients and and I was talking about the the importance of changing the narrative of what does being productive mean, you know? Mm. Is the taking time to just be and not be on the doing, you know, mm. is that unproductive mm. or is that part of that balancing yeah. for each individual as well as, you know, for the business and for everything else? Yeah, I think it's, in my experience, it's, I think it's the story that gets in the way of this balance. I can, I can just speak to it from my experience it's not just are we being productive it's are we worthy are we enough in the stillness in the non-doing and again bringing this back to the inner child most of us myself included have grown up in school systems that graded us on how much we did right how much we produced the the quality of the thing that we made. So 
a big part of it is looking at this programming, looking at this programming that's 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 molding you into a kind of soul that does not allow himself or herself to feel their innate enoughness, their innate worthiness, their innate completeness without ticking any boxes, without getting any A, without producing any physical money. And that in itself, like you just highlighted, that in itself attracts in the value. Because remember that if we have a twin flame heart of God that has both of these polarities, both of them are God. Both of them, they're, they're both a part of the oneness that we are. So wherever we are on that spectrum, whether we are in the extreme masculine doing or the extreme feminine being and not doing nothing, we are equally enough. We are equally worthy. We are equally complete. Beautiful. So beautiful. And um, Harrison, um, I want to go to back to something that you were sharing about your book, um, the your cosmic love antenna. And I would love for you to share a little bit of, you know, like why writing a book? How was that process for you as well as, you know, what, what is the, you know, like, and I know as well, you know, it's your podcast, <laughs> the cosmic love antenna. Can you expand a little bit on what does that mean? All right. I'll, uh, I'll explain the meaning of the uh, the image and then I'll speak about the book. So along my understanding of this higher power love that is inside of us that we talked about earlier, I came to the understanding that not only do we have this higher power love in us, if it's in all of us, then it also means that It's the famous esoteric teaching of as within, so without, as above, so below. So the extent in which we start to open up and feel and connect to our inner space of cosmic love, our, our love frequency, I would refer to it as, is, is the extent in which we then share that and spread that with the world. Right? I, I give a very specific example. Right, If we want to manifest something, in terms of a lover, money, business, the long-term way to do that is to go out into the world and get it. The short-term way to get that is to go inside and remember and embody that feeling so then you attract it in. So that, in many ways, is the cosmic love antenna analogy. We are all antennas of love. And one of the other sort of understandings behind it, going back to what we spoke about earlier, around the importance of the physical body, an antenna system has two sections of it, has two very important parts. It is the internal frequency of love that I just talked about. But that internal frequency of love can only spread out into the cosmos to the extent in which the physical structure is honored. So the antenna analogy worked with the world because it also highlights the balance between the spiritual being of love that we are and the very 3D physical human that 
needs to have its needs met for that frequency to be expressed. So beautiful. And, you know, I, I remember many years ago that, that I actually, it, it, it wasn't used the word antenna, uh, but Bruce Lipton was talking around being a receiver as well of mm. consciousness of being the receiver of how, you know, our body is primed to, to, to do that. And I, yeah. I love what you said of, you know, I, I often say the more that I, that I can be in a frequency, the more that I am attracting that that frequency. So if if I am living my life from uh, an, a frequency of abundance, regardless of my current mm -hmm. circumstances, mm -hmm. then I am attracting that. I am allowing that to show up more in my life. So yeah. I, I, I love what you said. And going back to the book, um, mm what what prompted the book to to actually be materialized be manifested yes so there's so many things i could say to this but i'll just i'll, I'll say a few my mom was a big loving push in her eyes the book should have come out 10 years ago but it needed to cook a little bit And I look back in hindsight at all the things that I've been through. And in many ways, the book manifested as a natural expression of this journey that I'm on, both my own internal inner journey, but then my active choice to then share that with the world through the coaching and the mentoring that I do one-on-one. -on -one. And also you mentioned the podcast, which is has the same name. So The book was just another way to share that love and all the teachings and the guidance that has come in through the work that I've done and also all the people I've had on my show and the learnings that I've gained. And I wanted to put it all in one place for people to digest it in a very easy way. That was one of the reasons for manifesting it. But then the other reason that was, that was relatively new, I... Uh, the most recent part of my spiritual awakening experience has been, I've been in a, a mystery school, uh, a spiritual mystery school for the last year. And for people that don't know what that is, it's just a think of it as higher education, but for your spiritual development. And a part of that school was opening up to my channeling abilities, channeling more of my divinity, my love, my spiritual essence. So I wanted to test that in many ways. And I, I thought, what would be a way that I could express this channel in, in a gift? And it was the book. So very tangibly, what that means is I didn't write, I didn't write my book. I didn't, I, I didn't sit down in front of a computer and type it out. I, if you've read it, you'll know this. I channeled all of it. I dropped into meditation and each paragraph I spoke into a voice recorder what came through in, in each of the meditations. So to go back to your question, it was also a way for me to share that with the world. And you'll see it if you read the book. It's not written like any other book. It's it's very poetic. And you can, you can almost, I've had the comments already coming in. As you read it, you can feel me speaking it because of the way that it 
flows. Mm. And you know, I I love um, I love books. I love reading, and and I love the connecting to to that feeling that you're saying, connecting to that energy. Um, this is one of the things that for me with with books is you know I can feel the energy that it was shared whether as you're saying it was like voiced or written so yeah thank you for for sharing that gift with with all of us uh it's a pleasure and it's yeah and i just i can't wait for more people to get a hold of it and be impacted by its frequency like you're saying mm, beautiful no, Harrison, that I mean, we're going to have plenty of more times to, to chat, but for this podcast specifically, we're starting to get towards the, the end of mm-hmm. the conversation. Um, I would love to ask you whatever comes up now for you in terms of what is one thing that you wish everyone in the world knew? Mm. that they are the creators of their reality. And what I mean by that is, we've spoken about this today in a few different ways, but it's very easy for us to unconsciously, unintentionally give our power away to an outside source. And we, we forget our ability not just to take that power back, but what we can then do with that power. And the way that I describe this is we're so good at saying that we're not creative. It's We're so good at saying that if we see an artistic person or someone dancing or singing, it's so easy for us to look at them and say, they're creative, but I'm not. They have a thing. They have something that I don't have. We're in that story. We're overlooking the fact that we are creating our reality all the time. It's just most of us are creating a reality that's negative. Most of us are creating a reality that's based off our limitations, our illusions, our traumas, our pain. So what I wish everyone knew was that they're creating all the time. But if we start to take more of our power back in all of the ways, we can start to create a reality that aligns with our most expanded state rather than our limited, restricted one. Beautiful. <laughs> I just like I just felt it. I'm like, woof. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and and to, to bring this towards and then Harrison. Um, for anybody that is listening or watching us and they resonated with what you're sharing, resonated with with you and your energy, where can they find you? Where can they see how they can engage and work with you? Well, first of all, Brian, I want to give you some love, my friend, as someone who very intentionally creates this kind of space for other people. I... I now know what it feels like to be in that space when someone else does it for me. And I just want to honor you for the love that you create with this conversation, with this show. And um, I just feel really supported and seen. So thank you for this conversation today. For people interested in 
my frequency, my love, the work that I do, the easiest place to go is my website, harrisonmar.com. That's Ma spelled M-E-A-G-H-E-R. You can also find me on all the social media platforms at Harrison Ma, same spelling. And I'd recommend you check out my book, Your Cosmic Love Antenna, available on Amazon. And uh, I'd love to hear your feedback if you want to reach out. Uh, social is the best way to reach out. Beautiful. And we'll have all of the, the links on the show notes so that everybody can access it easily. So for everybody listening, watching us, let us know what resonated with you. You know, what did you hear? What did you learn? What would you like to ask? Uh, allow this conversation to, to keep on going as, as you know, we we continue to to spread uh, our our lives and our energies in this world. So yeah, thank you, Harrison, once again for for being here and, and sharing your your energy and your gifts with us. It's a pleasure, Brian. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you all in the next time. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna with me, your host, Harrison. If you gained value or this episode hit your heart, please remember to share this out with a friend, a family member or a lover. You can also leave your love over on Apple Reviews and Spotify star feedback. And this helps me spread my frequency to more souls in need. Finally, if you want to connect with me deeper, want to reach out, interested in coaching, please follow me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Harrison Ma, Ma spelled M-E-A-G-H-E-R. Sending you so much love. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric acid. Electric acid.